Queen Kellyanne bows out in the season, has lost its probable MVP. Plus, Danny and Tori actually agree on something for once. Emily brushes off a horrific crash at the sickest challenge of the season. Jordan completely shuts out his partner Kaz, and Kiki teaches Darrell Aussie lingo before Darrell teaches Kiki how to do tangerine puzzles. It's the challenge. World Championships Episode 9. Fellow challenge lovers, welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future, if it's happening in the challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollaball. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me on this Thursday. Yes, we are a day late. We are still coming to you live from Iceland, where yesterday we had a little bit of a longer travel day than anticipated, didn't get to watch the episode till a little later in the day and wasn't able to record so we're here on a Thursday I appreciate your patience in the episode coming out this will be the last of these I'll be back in the states next week by the time of the episode and recording so we will be back to our regularly scheduled Wednesday midday afternoon recordings and release of the world championships recap I appreciate your patience these last couple of weeks while we've been recording from abroad during that travel day though I did do a quick little post or Instagram story we did have some challenge related content during that travel day yesterday I may or may not have trespassed briefly to get a picture from the double agent's house here in Selfoss Iceland one of the only names of a town here in Iceland that I feel like I can say and today for those who are watching on YouTube you can see behind me we're in yet another beautiful but remote area of interior Iceland um, not coastal for the first time so we've got the mountains, the water, everything behind. And anyone listening, if you hear a slight rustle in today's recording, that would be the extraordinarily high wind uh, that is right outside of the window right now that uh, I may or may not try to remove in post. So there might be a slight rustle of wind behind me while recording today. But we are here to talk World Championships episode number nine. And I've got to admit, it was a little bit of a bummer episode. Not only because... The probable MVP of the season goes home at the end of it, but it just felt like there wasn't a lot of action. I thought we had been building to something. We'd had some really good moments. And then this episode, it feels like we're just kind of pacing our way to the final and one of a handful of teams is going to win. And it'll be interesting to watch, but it won't, you know, it, yet again, it's another season where it feels like I get my hopes up that the end of the season can actually be really good in this highly competitive, you know, strategy-focused new challenge world, and I'm not sure if we're going to get there, but there could be some good fireworks next week. We will see. That doesn't mean there isn't anything to talk about, though. There's still plenty to talk about with the episode. We will do just that. Other quick programming notes before we dive in. Survivor Saturdays will be live again this Saturday on the Most Likely 2 podcast feed with my good friend Paige. So check those out there. And then that USA 2 cast reaction podcast I will put out sometime next week. I thought I'd be able to get to it this week, but the recording situation just isn't great in my final location here in Iceland. So we're going to hold off on doing the recording itself itself. 
putting that out next week, likely on Friday the 5th. So that is the plan with that. And uh, otherwise, the only thing I got to say, I mentioned before, I saw the the house from Double Agents. It was super duper cool. Um, I didn't get to go in or anything. There was no one there, but there was a lot of trespassing signs. It is a like used Airbnb now. Um, if you want to find that on Airbnb, hit me up at Challenge Historian on Instagram. I'll send you the link. It's a big compound. It's in it's in a cool spot of Iceland, but it's not like it's a great spot to be then traveling from. If you need like a home base, it's not necessarily one you would go to and stay at and do like a bunch of activities right around it, but it makes sense for why they were there for the season on double agents. And the only thing I've got to say about it though, is it reminded me of how much we forget that these people travel during these seasons that especially, I mean, depending on the season, sometimes the bus rides aren't to the daily challenges. Aren't that bad. Other seasons, they're pretty, pretty horrible and we forget as viewers like that it isn't the most glamorous experience for them there and the double agent season stood out because i see i find the house and then i start thinking like okay i've been to a couple of the sites of the daily challenges they're like three or four hours from here and on like not the most enjoyable like beautiful enjoyable bus ride but a little bumpy you know, twisty, turny. If you're not one that wants to be sitting on a bus for long, it's definitely not the ride for you. And it just made me reflect on, I tried to kind of do the Reddit sleuthing I could, the internet sleuthing I could to find different spots throughout Iceland they recorded in or filmed in. And I was like, man, these bus rides, every single daily challenge had to be, you know, like an hour would have been a short one for them to do some of the stuff. And I know for a fact that there was multiple three to four to maybe even five hour long bus rides to go to daily challenges during that season. And I know that's, you know, maybe an extreme version of it, but most seasons they are doing that. And it just, because we never see the bus rides anymore on the seasons, which is a shame. We should, the bus ride content was always so good. That was always where some drama really stirred up and happened. Um, But we don't see any of that anymore. And we kind of forget that like, they don't just walk out the door and out in their front lawn is TJ waiting for them to do whatever crazy shit they're going to do that day, which they do some crazy shit in this episode we're about to talk about. That's for sure. So that was just my little, uh, Iceland update and uh, challenge update of what I was learning about the show by being in the location where they filmed one of the shows. And really, I'm just kind of digressing because uh, there maybe isn't as much fun things to talk about with this episode, but we will do so. We'll dive in now. Storylines first, as always, awards second, and then some power rankings and predictions third. Here we go. Let's kick things off. We could just skip over the initial house segment. There was really nothing going on in that one and that was what led me to realize like "Mm, this is either going to be one of those episodes that's amazing in the like deliberation area or the elimination or whatever because they're you know they're speeding right into the daily challenge they're getting it moving maybe that means there's a lot to get to later or it means that this episode might be a touch on the boring side, especially compared to the last couple episodes that have been quite good, especially two episodes ago, an amazing episode seven. So unfortunately it turned out to be the latter, but we went straight to the daily challenge. So we'll go straight to the daily challenge talking here. Transformer spawn con. The spawn con is back. Uh, I don't know how many seasons in a row at this point we've had one, but it seems to just be the staple now that one of the big summer blockbusters uh, pays for some sponsored content to, you know, be the, the presenting sponsor of a daily challenge on the challenge. Like what a, I don't know what they're paying for that. Um, but it seems 
like I don't know. It, it it didn't work for me this this time, and it's only worked once really for me, and that was Top Gun Maverick uh, last season, Spies, Lies, and Allies season. Yeah, right. Spies, Lies, and Allies season, where that the daily challenge was actually pretty cool, and it involved a plane, and so it was like, okay, like fine, you can give do a little Top Gun Maverick promo, but the daily challenge is cool. That's what matters. This one here. Um, it just didn't really, it seemed like they had to try really hard to come up with something that would be Transformers related, and I didn't love the end result. But before that, this, what stood out about the the sponsored content of all of it is this is why Jordan is here. This is why Jordan is asked back season after season again right now, because he has become one of the producer's best, best, bestest friends, because he does anything with a smile on his face that they would like him to do or like the cast to do. He goes above and beyond to do this sponsorship for them, to be the one that's like, I'll say whatever you need me to say. I'll talk it up. I'll make analogies. I'll do whatever. I'll act excited. He throws the confessional commentary about the movie, about liking the old movies, relating the movie to the daily challenge. He's making noises before, you know, during while they're going. He is doing massive applause to all of TJ's ad reads. He's just hamming it up on behalf of this sponsorship, which is exactly what the producers want. They're like, we have someone paying us to do this. We really need to like give them something for it. And we need the cast to interact and be, you know, it might be a little weird. It might be pretty fake, but you're going to, we need you to do it. And Jordan goes above and beyond. And so outside the fact that he's great at the game itself, causes some drama himself is, would be someone you'd invite back. He also is one of those that's like, I'm also going to be the producer's best friend. I'm going to do everything they need. I'm going to try to make a good show or try to do the things they think they need to do a good show. And it helps get those invites back for sure when you're so malleable and helpful to the production team. Were they told that they weren't allowed to reference any of the old characters in the show? Because not that I'm the biggest Transformers fan in the world. I did grow up and like the, you know, like the original trilogy or definitely at least the first movie. And if I was one of them, I'd be making a Sam Witwicky reference for sure. It seems like maybe they weren't allowed to because I think there's like new characters in the new movie. Anyways, none of this matters to the challenge. And I don't know why I'm spending so much time on it. So let's move to the challenge itself. It may be sick, as TJ says. It's the sickest of the season. But is it also kind of boring and silly and dumb? Because they drive the driving out the back of the semi is the single amazingly cool part. The person who gets to drive in that moment where you burst out of a semi, you don't see where you were going, and you are launching out the back of a semi. That's fucking cool. That would be exhilarating, adrenaline rush, incredible, insane, all of those types of adjectives. Absolutely badass. Otherwise, though, the jump between, you know, the person that has just jump across, jump back, it's a very small gap. It's they're right next to each other. It's probably ultimately not that exciting, as exciting as it sounds to jump from one semi to the other, especially, you know, compared to other semi truck stuff jumps on and off of and away from semi trucks they've had to do in the history of the show. Like this is pretty like, yeah, you got to clear like a one and a half, two foot jump just once over once back and it takes five seconds, which speaking of is the whole challenge comes down to like, can you do a seven second task and a 30 second task? Who can do those faster? And there just isn't enough actually happening here for it to be a cool daily challenge. There isn't like a, a daily challenge. Shouldn't take 35 seconds. Like that shouldn't be <laughs> the time allotment unless it's, I guess maybe some weird wacky endurance thing. I don't know, 
but this seems like there's like no room for anyone to actually like be a lot better or a lot worse. And yet it's yet another daily challenge where I feel like we're not getting like a true representation of someone being good at something or bad at something or making a major mistake or coming up with some specific strategy that works really well. We're not, it's, we're not getting really much at all. It's just kind of random. It feels kind of random and it's also not super safe. Or did Emily just do something wrong? Because the big moment of the whole episode, really, and definitely of the Daily Challenge, is Emily goes full crash, roll. It looks horrible. It is disastrous. I mean, I don't watch much racing these days, but I know, you know, in F1 or NASCAR or what have you, like, these, when you hold, you clutch your chest, you hold your breath, you just pray instantly that someone is okay when you see some a vehicle flipping over and over and over. And thank goodness she was. And we thankfully, as an audience, you can know right away that she's going to be okay. And you can kind of partially stop holding your breath because they show it multiple times. They go into a, a commercial break with it. And the moment you realize, like, they're showing this pretty thoroughly, you know that they wouldn't do that if someone was severely hurt. They would probably go pretty quickly through it. And so I kind of let the breath go a little bit like halfway through like the third time they started showing it was like okay she's gonna be fine she's gonna be fine but still was a little like please let her be fine please and she was thank goodness what a badass uh i would be scared shitless to go next kellyanne uh had to go next i would maybe not want to do that but did she do something wrong or is this super dangerous did they only have a certain amount of room to finish where they did they have to stop like did they need to slam on the brakes or could they have kind of driven that out and stopped slowly because her problem seemed to be she slammed on the brakes and the moment she did and let that wheel go just a tiny bit sideways boom you're flipping and rolling at high speed we see tori do the slower version of it where she you know flips that wheel but after she's slowed down enough that it just uh, falls over on its side not a big old roll so did she do something wrong or is this super unsafe and it led me to think of how they could have made this a little bit better. Little tiny history lesson for you. If you go way back to season 10, Inferno 2, all you OG fans will know. Maybe you'll remember this. In episode 10 of Inferno 2, they did a daily challenge called What a Drag, where they literally one-on-one, you know, then two teams, drag raced versus each other. But the key of it was it wasn't just a drag race to the end. When you got to the end, you had to stop before you ran over this uh, wall of glassware. It was like margarita glasses all stacked on each other, whatever. Um, But you had to stop. And so it became very difficult. And the challenge of it all was how fast can you go, but still time that you have enough time to slow down and stop in the basically designated parking spot. It was big enough to be across the line, but barely without hitting the glass. And it made it very tricky. And there was a lot of different strategies as to what you would go. And if you ran into the glass, you DQ'd. And it was a pretty interesting daily challenge. And I feel like they could have maybe added that factor here of like, you got to get past that line, but you got to stop by here. And so, you know, you got to play how fast do you want to go? What if you DQ? That could happen. I think they could have added that. It would have made it a little better overall. I wasn't in love with the daily challenge as much as it would be really fucking cool to drive out of the back of a semi truck. Jordan Kaz do win. That makes sense because the moment TJ announces it's the sickest challenge of the season, both Jordan and Casey fist pump. They get excited. They know that if he says it's a sick challenge, their athleticism, their no fear will win the day, whatever it is. This is the type of stuff kind of made for them that are just very malleable to do anything well and have no fear about it. So right away when he says that, I'm like, one of those two is winning. They're so excited. They know this is the stuff they can excel at. So one of them does, Jordan and Kaz. 
and then Durrell and Kiki lose. And Durrell is the only male to drive. I spotted that, pointed that out. Was there a rule that maybe they were allowed an exception to? Was it originally maybe supposed to be the women all do the driving, the men do all the jumping? Did they get every team, get their decision, and Durrell and Kiki were the only ones who chose to go this route? And is that... You know, whether it be Darrell driving a little slower than most of the women or Kiki going a little slower on top of the cars than most of the men. Is that what ultimately cost them? I don't know, but it did stand out that they were the only one that went that route. So they end up in elimination. Jordan and Kaz end up in control, and we head back to the house thinking that things probably should be pretty clear cut. But will they be? We will find out. Then the deal-making begins. We get to the house, or at least the attempted deal-making begins. Kellyanne gives it her all. I love the effort all season long, doing everything she can, trying her best to infiltrate, to persuade, to come up with the better strategies, the better ideas. It's worked a couple of times. It's not worked a couple of times. And this one here, it doesn't really work at all. She goes hard right away, getting people in on what if we did the two USA teams, but it's it's an uphill battle that is insurmountable. There's no way it's ever going to happen because we've got Emily and yes, they're not going to say Sarah. Darrell and Kiki don't get to vote. Jordan and Kaz don't get to vote. They're both up in the little other room, the hero room, whatever they call it. Tori and Danny are not going to do it. Obviously, Sarah and Theo are obviously not going to say themselves. So the only ones they can even possibly try to persuade are Troy and Casey, but Casey kind of just shrugs it off real quick is not viable. Like, I'll let you talk, but I'm going to be like numbers confuse me and walk away and when really I just, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But that conversation, it should be said, you know, Casey shrugs it off eventually. And I'm sure she could say like, if Tori watched that, uh, T- Casey could be like, yeah, you know, I like, it's just good gamesmanship to like hear out the ideas or anything before saying no, or being as casual about your no as possible. Or you could look at it the way I did of being like, it seems like if there was a good argument in numbers, Casey might be willing to say Tori's name. And uh, if we remember a week or two ago, uh, Tori was very much not willing to say Casey's name to the umbrage of her partner and her alliance. And even when it didn't ultimately matter at all, she wouldn't say it. And so it's just an interesting note for possible the next couple of weeks here. If there is a way for Danny and Tori, who we're going to talk about momentarily, to get screwed over that one of the people could that could do that maybe is a Casey. We shall see. Um, Kellyanne and Tristan's only shot is leaning on Kaz to basically throw herself and Jordan in by a stalemate. They don't ever do that. We, the editors try to give us the Tristan Kaz storyline. We get a little of it right at the start of the episode. We get a touch here, and then we get, you know, in the elimination, Kaz apologizing for not having given Tristan the heads up. But if if they would have leaned on her at all of like, hey, you could say no. Like, you each get a vote. If you each say no to each other, then, like, we'll see what happens, and we kind of know you're going to get sent in then, and you don't have to do that, but maybe we at least like play this out a little bit further to see like if Jordan, what would happen if we put a little more pressure on him, but we don't get any of that. They don't seem to lean on her at all to attempt that or offer that up, and as much as the editors could try to build that little like moment of suspense, it doesn't really work. They don't have anything to go with. The other big thing that happens, though, they don't have anything to go with because a contract is signed by the rest of the house. Jordan, on behalf of himself and Kaz, unbeknownst to her, and Sarah and Theo and Tori and Danny, they meet. 
They discussed that all three should obviously be working together as they kind of have been the whole time, but without saying directly that they have been, and they obviously always should have been the whole time. We've been saying that on this podcast for weeks that it made perfect sense that the people, the person Danny wants to work with, and you know, there's a connection to who Jordan's partner would want to work with and Tori's and Jordan. Like it just makes too much sense for those three teams not to work together. And they kind of almost begrudgingly have to do it here. The goal is Jordan lays out Tristy Kelly and Tristan Kellyanne this week, Emily. Yes. The next week going against Darrell and Kiki both times, if possible, that those are the three teams on the out. They have the four teams on the inner part of that accounting for Casey and Troy as a part of that. And that's how it should go. Sarah signs it knowing good and well that she ain't saying Emily and yes, unless it's a choice of them or her. Maybe if it's a choice of them or Danny and Tori, maybe she will actually stick to Danny over Emily. I hope so as a massive Danny fan and just loving that those two are working so well together and doing so much good for the audience on this season. I would hope she would pick Danny over Emily, but I don't know for sure. I know though for damn sure that if it came down to Emily and yes over Jordan and Kaz, she ain't saying Emily and yes, too bad, Jordan. Like this, this contract means nothing to her. Ultimately, it basically just means that like, if, if I'm not the one that has to make the decision, I'm just letting you know in advance, like I'm going to be calm and I'm going to act cool. And I'm not going to like fuck up you making the decision. Like I'm not going to throw a big fit. I'm basically just playing along right now because I I'm in agreement with week one with part one of this plan. And I really hope this blows up. Let her stick it to Jordan. And by default, Tori to cap off this season that her and Danny and the USA crew have been running. That would be absolutely wonderful. Speaking of Tori and Danny, they're finally on the same page. And this is the first episode that I feel like they've maybe been playing us the whole time and the whole house, the whole time, their whole, you know, we never agree and we want to work with separate people. It's a great strategy. I've called out multiple times throughout this season that I actually think this is benefiting them in a massive way. I just didn't think it was deliberate before. And this is the first episode where maybe I was kind of like, they don't seem to be hiding it as much. And maybe they've gotten far enough in the game where they don't have to do that anymore. And I feel like maybe they both are, they both are smart enough um, and that maybe they've just been playing the house and us, the viewers the whole time. And all of the back and forth between them, all the drama between them is completely fabricated so that they can appropriately have everyone in the house on their side. Because Tori's got a couple teams. Danny's got a couple teams. Both of them trust each of Tori or Danny to actually win out in their partnership and hold the power on their side. Tori and Danny have given each other a moment or two each of having the power, having the final say to kind of show those other different alliances. Like, Hey, when it comes down to it, Tori gets to make the final call or Hey, when it comes down to it, Danny can make the final call. And it feels like maybe they were doing this all on purpose the whole time. And it worked beautifully. I don't know. I'm sure we will get to find out once they're allowed to talk a little more openly once their season or this whole season is done. Um, whether that's at the final winning out next week, whenever, you know, I'm sure they'll both do the podcast circuitry is has her own multiple podcasts. Daniel will do the podcast circuit. We'll hear from them and maybe we'll find out was this deliberate or not. Um, maybe they'll give hints. Maybe they won't, but they're going to the final in this, in this season, like who's saying their name, they're set up so perfectly. They've made it unscathed really through this whole thing. And they're going to the final because who's going to say their name, Emily. And yes, I don't think they're saying it. They're saying Jordan and Kaz first. I think they're saying Darrell and Kiki over Tori and Danny. I don't, I think that, 
that's how that would go. Darrell and Kiki, no way. They're saying Emily and yes, for sure. And then probably equal toss-up between the other three teams. They don't have any vendetta over one over the other within those. And then Casey, Jordan, Sarah are obviously not doing it. So they're set. That's all the teams. There's no one that's like got them number one. Probably no one that's even got them number two. Um, at best, number three on their board of who they would vote for. And, you know, there's only so many teams left. And so they're they're going to the final. They're walking to the final. They've played an amazing game. And it, it's been entertaining. And it also might have all been a ruse the whole time. Then we have the elimination. The elimination game itself, I really liked it. I would love to know how long it took and how far ahead and behind the two teams were at different points. Like they each, I think it was five to two, Kellyanne and Tristan at one point. Then it was tied up. Then it was like seven to five. And then ultimately... Darrell and Kiki finished at nine when Tristan and Kellyanne put down their eighth. And so there was like whatever, however long it took them to do the final run. That was the gap before starting the puzzle, which wasn't very long. I would love to know, as always, the actual times on this stuff. I would love to know, like, it feels like Kellyanne and Tristan blew a big lead here, like five to two. But was that was that a minute and a half? Was that one drop of them? And, you know, Darrell and Kiki caught right up. Or was that like... Yo, each one of those runs took three to five minutes to walk slowly across that thing. That's how long this was taken, and that's how big of a lead they blew. I don't know. I would love to know. But I did like the challenge, the setup, the whole thing. No one figured out the carrying portion, really. Both of them made massive blunders. It was crazy that it ended up relatively the same time to the puzzle, given how many blunders and how... They weren't bad at it, but they they certainly weren't good at it. They never got like fully in a groove communication. This is how we should do these. They just kind of like just try to do one at a time and just hope that we get to the end. Darrell's experience slash kind of his poise with puzzles mixed with the fact that Kiki is one of the best partners I've ever seen at knowing when to either step up and be the leader or step back and let the partner do what they need to do. We've seen her now 3-0 in eliminations do a little bit of both, uh, being the one that's like, I'm making the calls here versus in this situation, Darrell kind of lets her know like, yo, step to the side, hand me a piece. Let me let me put this puzzle together here at the end. I've done these a bunch before. And Kiki's like, absolutely, that makes sense and like recognizes the experience level, everything. She's great at that, fantastic at that, and Darrell's got the experience. Obviously, you know, he makes the joke himself about the old tangerine puzzle commentary from way, way, way back in the day. Um, he still then calls them tanograms instead of tangrams, and I don't know if that part's on purpose or not, but uh, we'll talk about that a little more in best quote. But there, his experience kind of wins the day. They win, they stay, and now we hopefully still get Kiki versus Emily. We get more of the icon that is Kiki. We get more of OG Darrell. So that's a wonderful thing. What is not a wonderful thing is Kellyanne and Tristan are gone. And Tristan first here. Tristan intrigues me a lot. I'd like to see him on another season. I think there's a lot of personality there and gamesmanship and gameplay there that hasn't fully been tapped. He kind of really got to be in the background of the challenge UK season before then just winning the final. He is a very good competitor. And I think in this particular season, especially because Nathan, his really good buddy from challenge UK goes home half a day into it. He didn't necessarily have the relationships in the house and he kind of let Kellyanne run things for him. And so we didn't get to see as much from him. I'm intrigued by him. I would like to see him back. I think there's a lot there and there could be some fireworks there on the personality, on the gameplay, everything. So I'd be interested in seeing him back, but the real loss here respectfully to the UK champion, the real loss is Kellyanne. 
she's the best. What a legend. What a way to anyone who had any doubts of like, why is she being invited to this, you know, the world championships, a non-champion herself, whatever. Anyone that had any doubts, uh, if they haven't shut the fuck up by now, then I guess those are just the types of people that suck and are never going to. Um, because I was thrilled she was there. She's definitely a legend and an MVP in my book, and she proved it tenfold here. What in a season from her. So sad to see her go. She brought a lot to this season. It was given us so much. Pretty much everything's revolved around her, um, for better or worse of her own game, but definitely for the better of us watching for entertainment. She should be in the final for how she played the season. It sucks we don't get to see her do that. It sucks we don't get to see her run the final even again if it would have come at the expense of Icon Kiki, OG Goat Darrell. But, you know, she she would, she would deserves it. She should be in the final of this season. And it really now just comes down to this won't be the last we talk about her because no matter what, at the end of season, we will talk about her as the possible MVP of this season. But can she win it having been in nine of what will ultimately be 12 episodes. That's plenty far enough to be. It's not like she's ruled out by any means. It's not like, Oh, you were in five of 12. You were amazing in those five, but like it's five out of 12. It's not that much. Nine out of 12 is plenty enough. She's definitely the current MVP front runner. Can she hold it though? Or will we see a Sarah or a Danny who I think both have a shot to catch and maybe even surpass her for that season title? But they're going to have to do some cool shit to do so. Because she did some cool shit. She did a lot of entertaining shit. She was wonderful. She was awesome. She was a legend the whole time there. Kellyanne is going to be missed from the season. Big time. On to the awards we go. Best quote first. We've got Emily talking about her wreck. Quote, instant cry. Freaking out. Got, freaking got out of there and took a couple of breaths and was just, okay, move on. That shit happened. Let's get back to the competition. Please don't show my mom because she would not let me come again if she sees that. And quote, mostly the last part there is just hilarious. And again, having gone through that, ha- I mean, that's dramatic. Like that, that is a death defying type of wreck. And I know the confessionals are a few days later. She's calmed down, whatever. Like, it's still amazing that she's got the poise to, like, then make a joke of, like, don't show my mom because, like, I'm not going to be allowed to come back and do more of this show if they think that I might be, you know, out here almost dying in the daily challenges. Second nominee, then, joint quote slash back and forth between Kiki and Darrell. Kiki starts, quote, well, this has turned pear-shaped real quick. Darrell, pear-shaped? What's wrong with a pear? And then Kiki, a longer one that ends with, and then everything turns pear-shaped, meaning you just lost control of what you were doing, to which Darrell responds back with the best quote of the episode. I like pear-shaped. Pear-shaped meaning you got ass, end quote. So that was amazing. That is the winner, but also shout-out to Darrell's quote. Just hold on. Let me do this puzzle for a minute because I'm good at these. I know how to do tangerine puzzles. I know they are called tangrams. end quote. And again, they are called tangram puzzles, tan-a-gram. Throws that A in there. Don't know if he's just expert comedian building on the joke of the past, building on the reference to the past or not. But either way, I loved the callback. And I always will refer to them as tangerine puzzles, as they should probably just, they should just, whoever's in charge of tangram puzzles, just rename them. They're tangerine puzzles now. That's the best quote. As for the best moment, five nominees, Emily wrecking her, uh, 
ATV, whatever, dune buggy, whatever it was that they were driving, that obviously stands out. Second nominee, Kiki explaining pear shape to Darrell. We just covered it. That stands out. Third moment, the contract signing and the foreshadowing that hopefully this will lead to some real fireworks, the final fireworks of the season between the USA duo of Sarah and Danny and the Legends what's left of the legends slash vacation Alliance ish kind of thing of Jordan, Tory bananas and whoever, Casey, whoever else fourth nominee Kiki cleaning up people's messes for the second or third time. Now we see Kiki doing the cleaning and being pissed about it. She's doing it in this instance, knowing she's about to go on elimination that night and just kind of getting out some anxiety by talking shit about the the mess. Everyone's leaving again. I talked about it before when she did this and when Ben did this, I am someone who would be this person in the house who would be cleaning up everything. Everything I just have to have a clean place. I have to have an organized place. I would wake up first in the morning. I'd be like, God damn it. Everyone again, left all their shit out, all their glasses out, everything. I would be just like her. So I just really, really commiserated with Kiki in that moment. And then fifth and finally, Kellyanne putting together Tristan's birthday, the little, the flowers she goes and picks, she writes the nice note, she gets the muffin, leaves it out for him in the morning. That was really nice. How awful it would be to spend your birthday losing an elimination. But then looking on the flip side, how wonderful it would be to spend a birthday in the game, the challenge. So that's awesome for him. Best moment of the episode, because I don't want to give it to someone wrecking, even though they came out of it okay. I'm going to go with Kiki cleaning up people's mess. Now, speaking of her, let's talk MVP of the episode. Fifth place, Emily. Fourth place, Jordan, third place, Tristan, second place, Kellyanne, yet another MVP ballot performance. But the winner of this episode, joint MVP goes to Kiki and Darrell, who were delightful all the way through, do get the win in the end. And yeah, just everything, the moments, the quotes, the win, all of that adds up to an MVP for the episode for Kiki and her partner, Darrell. Finally, we've come to the power rankings and the predictions. And with these, we've only got six teams left, y'all. And uh, we're, we've had episode nine. So now we've got 10, 11, and 12, which leads me to think that although in the next week on, we don't get any hint that like next week is the last elimination, whether they would tell them that or not, I don't know. But I would think they're taking five teams to the final. If they're only taking four, I guess I would actually rather they only take four because that means the final is only one episode, and I I don't love the two-episode finals all that often, but who knows? They just did a 100-hour final on the last season, so whatever they're going to come up with to top that here, we shall see. But there's only six teams left. I would guess definitely for sure four of them are making the final, probably five of them. So we've only really got one that might get axed between them. Power rankings-wise, Casey and Troy hold down the top spot, two for two. Um, Troy. Welcome to being Casey's partner. No confessionals for you, my friend. That's kind of how things go, but you're probably going to win. So that's just the life of being partnered with Casey. You're going to do really, really well. You're not going to show up much on the uh, on the final edit reel there, but that's okay because you're going to probably win that money in the end, and I still love you dearly. So Troy and Casey, number one. Sarah and Theo, number two. Danny Tory, number three. Emily Yes, number four. Kaz Jordan, number five. Kiki Durrell, number six. This is a pretty incredibly stacked final six. Um, we, you know, you know, this season is mostly all stacked teams. No matter what final six we ended up with, it probably would have felt this way. But the fact that I have Kiki and Darrell sixth, and they absolutely can win this, and like you know, four-time champion, one-time in one season champion, so sixth out of the six, that's pretty crazy. So I really am just looking at this like I feel like Casey and Troy, and Sarah and Theo and Tori and Danny have a slight. Like they're like 
A's in Emily Yes, Kaz, Jordan, Kiki, Durali, like A minuses. Like I see like a tiny bit more weakness or something that could could throw them off in a final or could maybe cause them to lose this final elimination uh, that put those three below the other three. But really, this is anyone's game. And by anyone's game, I mean Troy and Casey are going to win because they're fucking awesome. And I want Troy to go two for two really, really badly. So that'll be fun. As for my predictions, uh, my original final picks are still, I've still got my second and third place ones there. Still got most of my finalist picks, but not my winners who I said were Zara and Wes. I made brand new end of season predictions last week and already completely, uh, they're gone because I said Kiki and Durrell and Kaz and Jordan would go home pre-final. I guess technically both of those two still could. So that's not wrong yet. They both still could. If only four went to the final and those were the two teams not to go. So we won't count that one out yet. And then I also said Troy and Casey were my new pick to win. We will see how that goes. As for predictions for next week, it makes me sad to say it, but I do think Kiki and Darrell are going to end up back in that elimination, and I think this is going to be the time that they lose. I hope I am wrong. If I had to pick, if I had to pick, who, who, who if I had to pick, do I want to go home? Obviously, most fans are like, fucking Casey and Troy. Come on. They don't talk. They don't say anything. They're not interesting. I get it, but I just love Troy too much, um, and so I can't do that. So if I had to pick one of the other five teams, well, I would say, you know, as weird as it might be, I kind of think Kaz and Jordan going home would make for the most interesting then final episode or two if that happened in episode 10 because I kind of feel like Tori sands all of her friends. I know Casey's still there, but again, I think Casey would vote for her if she had to. Um, but, you know, Danny and Sarah fully having control of the end of this game. Kiki and Emily still being there to battle. And then obviously, you know, I get Troy there still. So uh, that's that's who I guess if someone had to go home, if I had to pick who went home. I would be that one, but then I love Cass too. I love all these teams left. I don't. I wish. Can all six of them run the final? Can the next episode actually secretly just be the final? Can they have been pulling a little, a little ruse on us the whole time, the way Tori and Danny have on us and everyone in the game the whole time? We shall see. But I bet not. If I had to make a prediction, which thankfully for Kiki and Darrell, I've been wrong basically every prediction the entire season so far. I've yet to get I think almost anything right. So uh, you're probably going to win, Kiki and Darrell, because I think that you're probably going to go home next weekend. So that's that. That's all for the pod for today. Again, thank you so much for your patience in the one day late. We'll be back to Wednesdays as of next week. I'll be back in the States. If you want to talk challenge, as always, at Challenge Historian on Instagram, hit me up there. If you've got comments about the podcast, anything like that, please send those that way. Thank you so much for watching. Hit that follow, subscribe button, wherever you may be listening or watching. I will talk to you on Saturday if you're a Survivor fan over on the Most Likely 2 podcast feed. Otherwise, we'll be back next week. World Championships, USA 2 cast reaction. First two pod week in a while. We'll try to get back to that. Uh, being a regular thing as soon as we can. Until we talk again, peace.